This even turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the hop goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a job full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 438. I feel like I'm missing something. My name is Caleb Hegg. And you know what? I am missing something. I'm missing Rob. That's okay. Rob took the day off today. And uh, I wanted to, I was, I would probably just not do the show anyway. But uh, I'm actually taking next week off. So I decided, hey, we, we can't disappoint the waiting public. And so I'm going to do uh, an impromptu show. Uh, and what I mean by that is I'm not going to do what we were going to talk about on the regular show. Instead, I'm going to do something a little special for us today. I respond to a video that was sent to us. And uh, it really does play into the past three weeks <clears throat> and what we've been talking about. If you haven't been with us the past three weeks, that's totally fine. I'll try to catch us up. And I can honestly say this is probably going to be the one week when I say I don't think I'm going to go a full hour, and I probably will actually not go a full hour, which is totally fine because I can do that, right? That's what I get to do. Okay, let's bring up our uh, producers real quick while uh, I start to set this up. What we're going to do is, so it, first of all, let's talk about the past three weeks. In the past three weeks, we've talked a lot about the covenants. We've talked about, um, well, we've talked about objections to the Mosaic covenant for Christians. Okay. We've talked about the objection that, well, I am, uh, I'm, I'm not part of Israel. I'm a Christian. I'm part of the church and, uh, Israel, the covenant of like the, the Sinai covenant was given to, um, Israel and not the church. I think that was two weeks ago. And then we also talked about uh, objections like, well, 
Um, I'm no longer, uh, you know, I'm under uh, uh, the law of Christ. We've kind of touched on that. I'm going to touch on that more today. And uh, before I get into any of this, let's just go through this. Seheg at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be gone next week, and so we won't have a show. But the week after that, Rob and I will both be back, and uh, we need good topics from you. Send in topics, and we will try to talk about them maybe in two weeks. And also, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That is our comment line. You're not going to talk to us. You're just going to talk to an answering machine, which means you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to say, you can say. MessiahMatters.com is where you can find Messiah Matters merch. You can also uh, listen to the intro song, uh, watch past shows, listen to past shows, find show notes, which are somewhat recent. So they don't go back too far, but you can find show notes. And of course, this show is produced by Tor Resource. Torresource.com. Find all sorts of free stuff. Find, uh, find stuff that you can pay for. Um, find all sorts of stuff. And actually, I have to, I should say this. I have been recently utilizing my own site, TorahResource.com now. Uh, Torah Resource is actually predominantly the work of my father, who um, is, uh, is a prolific writer. Um, and I've been utilizing a lot of his articles uh, for my own research. And uh, yeah, there's, a lot, there's pretty much anything and everything you could want to study is almost is up there, except for maybe eschatological stuff. I digress. Um, go and check out torresource.com. Okay. And finally, last but not least, please do subscribe to this uh, YouTube channel. It helps us. I know that sounds weird. It also helps us if you like this video. So click the like, bu like button. Okay. We have people trickling in. I'd like to say hi to everybody in the chat room. Hello. Okay. If you're getting here late, yes, I am missing Rob, but that's okay. We're going to try to do this anyway. So what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Okay. Uh, we have received probably, I don't know, countless amounts of videos and shorts and whatnot from uh, various people asking us to respond to one R.L. Solberg. Now, if you don't know who R.L. Solberg is, he is a scholar who has essentially made his, um, he's, he's made his uh, ministry, uh, I, I want to be careful how I, uh, how I phrase this. He's made his ministry uh, in attempting to respond to what he calls the Hebrew Roots Movement. Now, he has labeled this Torahism. I have avoided talking about Solberg, and the reason why is uh, several fold, but uh, perhaps the most glaring reason is because Solberg straight out says he's talking to the Hebrew Roots Movement. I am not part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. I don't claim to be part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. I have attacked the Hebrew Roots Movement on many fronts. I've made many videos against the Hebrew Roots Movement. I have done uh, history videos on the history of the Messianic Movement versus the, uh, uh, the Hebrew Roots Movement. You can find all of this on my website, pronomian.com. Um, and the reason that <clears throat> the reason that I think that this is important is because there are other things that separate the Hebrew Roots Movement from movements like the Messianic Movement. And if we look at the history, and the history does go back quite quite a ways. So, for instance, the Messianic Movement starts in the early 1900s, right? So we're talking about like the UMJC and and its origins uh, coming out of the Charismatic Movement and uh, as an outreach, right? They're trying to outreach to the Jews. But you have the Hebrew Roots Movement coming uh, on the scene as a conglomeration of various different movements, like the Sacred Name Movement, British Israelism, and predominantly, and most notably, the Armstrong Movement, or the Worldwide Church of God. <clears throat> Pardon me. And because of this, you have theological issues that are attached to the Hebrew Roots Movement. Now, with that said, in the 80s, what happens is you have uh, the first term, the first time that the term the Hebrew roots, Hebrew roots is used, uh, is in the '80s. You have the rise of people like Monty Judah, um, uh, Michael Rood, uh, and others, right? And they come onto the scene and they start to form what is the Hebrew Roots movement. Now, there during this time, during this time, there was a significant amount of people, my father included. Tim Hegg was, was one of the ones who went and uh, confronted Michael Rood and told him that he was teaching falsehood. 
So from the very beginning, from the very start of the Hebrew, what is called the Hebrew Roots Movement, when it starts being called the Hebrew Roots Movement, people like Tim Haig and others are, are strongly opposing the main teachers of this movement. As this movement grows in the 2000s and whatnot, uh, my... Rob and I come onto the scene in 2011 and we start um, opposing other groups like 119 Ministries, Lion and Lamb Ministries, so on and so forth. And so we have always, Torah Resource was formed in 2002, we have always taken a stand against the Hebrew Roots Movement. Now, what Solberg has done is he has equated, and this is what a lot of people do, and this is so frustrating. In fact, Schumacher, Andrew Schumacher, who we talk about uh, every once in a while on the show, and who listens to this show, and who is, I would consider him, if not a really good acquaintance, I would consider him a friend. Um, I really like Andrew. He's a great guy, but he has also made a ministry out of responding to what he calls the Hebrew Roots Movement. Now, he lumps us in with the Hebrew Roots Movement, and he does this for the same reason that Solberg does, which is they believe that keeping Torah or essentially keeping the four things that, that the mainstream Christian church doesn't like, which is circumcision, the Sabbath, the festivals, and the kosher laws, makes you part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. I would argue that this is not the case. I would argue that uh, keeping God's covenant is something that we see throughout Christianity and something that we see within various movements, including the Hebrew Roots Movement, including the Messianic Movement, right? And we see this even... so. The, the term pronomian is found first by a Presbyterian, right? So a Presbyterian is the first one who uses the term pronomian. And um, he does so in, in a book called By the Standard. And ultimately, what we're talking about is various degrees of Torah observance. And so I think that it's really a... Now, Let's stop for just a second and give some credence where credence is due. Certainly one of the defining marks of the Hebrew Roots Movement is the, the observance of the Torah. It is one of the defining marks. There's no doubt about that. But there's a clear marked difference between the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Messianic Movement, both of which are Torah observant. They are marked by Torah observance, right? Um, and now what we see, and this is really where the rub comes for me, now what we're seeing is we're seeing the uh, the people in the mainstream church, and this is really why you have people like Schumacher and Solberg and others who are rising up to try to uh, to try to defend against this or to attack the the Torah observant groups. The reason that we see that is because there are people in the church who are now coming to a pronomian or a pro law understanding. And uh, I think that the reason that we're seeing people attack this now is because it's becoming so large that they can't brush it under the rug. They can't say, okay, well, it's just this fringe Hebrew roots movement over here. Instead, what they have to do is they have to label it Hebrew roots movement so that if you say, well, I think we should be keeping the Sabbath, well, then you're part of the Hebrew roots movement. And those people are wackadoo. Those people are over here, they're crazy, and uh, there's all these videos on YouTube that tell you why you shouldn't be part of the Hebrew Roots Movement, go watch those. So if, if they label it one way, then they can just throw everybody into that bucket. There are major problems with this. I would consider myself a Baptist, and uh, at least a form of Baptist, and so if I say, well, I'm a Baptist... If they say something like, well, you know, the Sabbath is no longer uh, valuable for Christians or shouldn't be kept by Christians. Well, now you have to deal with the Seventh-day Baptists, right? Seventh-day Baptists rose in uh, the 1600s during the Reformation. They have been a group ever since then, and they still have a strong presence in the Baptist community today. There's one 15 minutes away from my house, right? So the point is simply that uh, you can't just say, well, uh, Torah observance, bad, and your Hebrew roots. No, that's that's not the case. It's just not the case anymore. Maybe it was 30, 40 years ago, right? Maybe maybe in the 50s and 60s, you could, 60s, you could say, well, um, Torah observance, uh, no, no Christian is Torah observant. But today you can't say that. And so all of this to say, now I know I've been rambling, but I know all of this to say, one of the reasons that I have not wanted to respond to anything that Solberg says is because he's using the wrong terminology. If you're going to attack the Hebrew roots movement, fine, go ahead and do that. I'm going to let you do that. And you're going to, he, what he wants to do is he wants to say, well, it's Torahism. In other words, anyone who's keeping Torah, well, then take the term Hebrew roots out of it. 
If you want to talk about keeping Torah, then you need to talk about all of the groups, including the Christians like myself, who are Torah observants. And if that's the term that you want to give, Torahism. Now he uses, once again, he's trying to put this on to people as if this is a bad thing. And so uh, today what we're going to do, I took one video out of uh, many, many, many that have been sent to me. We're just gonna look at it. Luckily, this is a short one. This was actually sent to us for Mystery Bible Theater 3000. If you don't watch Mystery Bible Theater 3000, um, <laughs> I think you should. I, I, Not to toot our own horn or anything, but it's really where we kind of get to have a lot of fun right? You won't believe what we do this Friday. We actually record them on Mondays, like the Monday prayer. So we've already, already recorded Friday's show. We did it on Monday. Man, it is a, it is a doozy. Okay. So, uh, RL Solberg, let's take a look. I'm going to switch over to a different view. You can see my cursor. I apologize for that. Let's come here. Here we go. RL Solberg, let's listen to what he has to say. Theologians use the term eisegesis which is just a fancy word that means reading your own ideas into a Bible passage rather than letting the text itself determine its meaning. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. I, and I, maybe I should let this thing play all the way through and then we can go back. But the Christian church has been extremely um, uh, um, guilty of eisegesis. And I will give you an example again. And that is, because uh, I've given this, I give the, I gave this example. I think last week, when I talked to Schumacher in my Covenant Conver Conversations interview, which is on um, Pronomia.com, he does complete eisegesis to Isaiah fifty six. He does not let the text speak for himself, and I would argue that Solberg is doing this exact same thing. He has an idea in his head. And that idea in his head is the Torah bad, the Torah done away with, the Torah fulfilled. We're going to talk about that too, fulfilled. Um, so all of that he has already in his head. He's not going to allow the Bible to speak for itself. And in order to do that, what does he have to do? He has to get rid of the Old Testament, which he tries to do in this clip. Let's go back to it. I'm going to rewind a little bit here that means reading your own ideas into a Bible passage rather than letting the text itself determine its meaning. And sadly, it's a common occurrence in Torahism. For example, our Hebrew Roots friends teach that a requirement... There, there it is. Our Hebrew Roots friends. Well, what about all your Christian friends who think that the Torah should be kept? Our Hebrew Roots friends teach that a requirement of following Jesus is keeping the weekly Sabbath. Okay, pause again. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, I, I grant, I, I will give Solberg this for sure. There are people in the Hebrew Roots Movement, and I, I think that this is actually kind of one of the marks of the Hebrew Roots Movement, is that you have a lot of people in there that are Torah terrorists. And you start to get into a workspace salvation, which is if you're not, you know, a lot of people in the Hebrew Roots Movement, I get this email, by the way, often. So I'm, I'm, I, okay. But the, the point here is this. If, here's the point. I agree with him that if people are saying you have to keep the Sabbath to be saved, we have major problems. Okay. Salvation by, by faith alone, I hold to sola fide. There's no doubt about it. But the question is this, are we in covenant relationship with God? And if the, the answer is yes, which I have to assume that Solberg is going to agree to, right? That we're in covenant relationship with God. Now, maybe not. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe Solberg is a old school dispensationalist and somehow is trying to get around covenant relationship with God? I don't know. But the point here is simply this. Solberg is, uh, is, a, is using terms like we have to keep the law of God to, to make God happy. God is happy with us because we're in covenant relationship with him. But the point is, is that we have a covenant. And so should we be keeping that covenant or not? Should we be upholding the covenant obligations? And, and if that's what he's saying, then I'm going to have to say, yeah, I, I think that we should be keeping the covenant obligations. 
And I think that Solberg, once again, I think that Solberg is going to have to agree with this too. Does Solberg think that we can commit adultery? Does Solberg, and what he, and what I'm getting from this video, and maybe we should just keep going, is that he's going to say no because it's reiterated in the New Testament. So now we have the whole transgender issue, right? <clears throat> what, what's wrong with changing gender from male to female if, uh, if, if it's not restated in the, in the New Testament? Cross-dressing is only uh, said to be an abomination in the Torah, not in the uh, apostolic scriptures. And the place where we get male and female, he created them, Torah again. Let's keep going with Solberg. Now, I'm not saying that setting aside a day of rest each week is a bad idea. In fact, I think it's a, a wise spiritual discipline that I need to be doing more regularly. But the weekly Shabbat is not commanded of Christians in scripture. And if you disagree, I'm all ears. Okay, hang on just a sec. He says it's not instantaneously. What has he done? He's made a distinction of the people of God. And how has he done that? Well, he's done that by 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 implying that it's that it is commanded for some people, but not for Christians. So, is the Bible written to multiple people? If it's not for Christians, then what about in back to our discussion about dispensationalism? If it's not for Christians, <clears throat> what about the New Covenant? New Covenant's for Israel and Judah, not for Christians. So then I'm going to have to assume that Solberg is going to say that the New Covenant is not for him. He's not part of the New Covenant. Why? Because he's a Christian. He's not, he's not a Jew. He's, he's, not, he's not from Judah, right? He's not from Israel. He's, he's, a, he's a Christian. And therefore, New Covenant, not for him. So... I'm going to have to assume what then? That Solberg doesn't believe he's in he's in uh, covenant relationship with God? Is that what we're supposed to assume here? See, we talked about this already, but what Solberg is attempting to do is say the Mosaic covenant was given to the Jews, not to the Christians. This is a huge fallacy and one that cannot be upheld. By the way, look at his little, look at his little logo up here, defending the biblical defending the biblical roots of Christianity. Once again, back to, he's going back to the Hebrew roots. Okay, let's keep going. Let's listen to the end of this before I keep going off. Regularly, But the weekly Shabbat is not commanded of Christians in scripture. And if you disagree, I'm all ears. Let us know in the comments below where in the New Testament that command is found. And it doesn't even need to be an explicit command. I'll even consider any passage where the general spirit or idea of keeping you, the Mosaic Sabbath commands is required of Christians. Will you, now, though? I hope I'm wrong, but what I predict is that what we're going to find in some of the comments below is eisegesis. Fair enough. I'll admit, maybe he's right. Maybe, the, maybe in the comments below there is some eisegesis. There's a lot of things that I disagree with with people who uh, believe in Torah observance. That's and you know what? There's a lot of people in the Torah, in in the Hebrew Roots movement, and even in the Messianic movement, who um, just take stuff for granted uh, and have not done the work to to understand certain things. But this one, this no, 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 no. And uh, the, the reason the reason that this is so egregious is because there is clear there is clear scripture that we can turn to. Let's do it. Let's turn to scripture. I mean, I think that everybody who who holds to uh, Torah observance for Christians, and what I mean, once again, we have to keep defining our terms. Some, terms, something that Solberg doesn't do. Um, but one of the things that we have to do is, is define our terms. What do we mean by Torah observance? Certainly Christians are going to, even Solberg, right? He said the Sabbath wasn't given to Christians, which means that he thinks that other things were. So I'm, I'm going to guess, and this is a, uh, this is a teaching of covenant theology, by the way, uh, the, the notion that we are no longer under the Mosaic law, but we're under the what law of Christ. And they get this from scripture, right? There's two places in the apostolic scriptures in the new Testament that, that use the term law of Christ. And so Christian, you know, a lot of Christians again, well, I should say a lot of people who hold to covenant theology are going to say, well, I'm no longer under the law of Moses. I'm under the law of Christ, the law of Christ. Okay, we'll get to all that. But the first place that I think most people who listen to this show, where your mind's going to go, is the obvious answer. Matthew 5, 17 and following. Now, there's parallel passages to this, too. <clears throat> I'm going to go through this quick. 
because I think everybody knows. But do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill. Now, the, the main argument against this is, well, Christ fulfilled this. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. I want you to keep that in mind. This is important because in a, in a few minutes, we're going to come back to this term fulfilled, and we're going to see what, what happens if we hold to the notion that fulfillment means we don't have to do it anymore, okay? For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Now, here's our verse that, that Solberg's looking for right here, 519. Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He just said law and prophets. He's talking about the law of Moses. He's talking about the prophets. So whoever relaxes one of them, it, does that include the, the Sabbath? Heck yeah, it includes the Sabbath. Of course it includes the Sabbath. So... I don't understand. How's he trying to weasel his way out of this one? Um, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we're not finished. Let's keep going here. Let's jump over. Now, there's a parallel passage to this, right? Luke 16, 17. And this one, um, I, I think, is also just as damning for, for Solberg's argument. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Now, he, he might try to say, well, that's eisegesis. What's eisegesis about that? What would, I, what would be eisegesis about me saying, well, that includes the law? Which, I mean, even Christians are going to admit that the Ten Commandments are part of the law, right? The Sabbath being one of them. So you have two passages right there that specifically tell us that the law is not void and that whoever relaxes one of them shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. I think Solberg, I mean, clearly Solberg, he's a scholar. Clearly Solberg knows these passages. So is this just dishonesty? Is he just trying to be dishonest with his, or is it like, you know, maybe it's, and I, I don't want to judge motive here, really, but at the same time, like it feels a little bit like you're pandering to an audience. You have people that you, you've established some kind of an audience, and now you're, you're, you're just going to say, okay, well, you know, if I say this, nobody's going to, you know, maybe I've, maybe, maybe I've described why I don't like, I, you know, I obviously don't like the Old Testament. I, that's not for me. That's not for Christians. Right, the Old Testament. Get, get. Let's get that out of here. By the way, I wonder if Solberg reads the Psalms, because that wouldn't be for him either, right? That's not for him. That's for Israel and the Jews. So better get rid of that. Proverbs out. Prophets that prophesy the Messiah out. Isaiah fifty six out. Right. Might, must be nice to be able to. Uh, to shove all this scripture under the rug and say, it's not for me. What do you do with Isaiah 56, which specifically says the Gentiles are going to be keeping <laughs> the kosher laws on the Sabbath? What do you, I mean, hang on, let's go to the comments real quick. Yes, we are in covenant relationship with God. And as evidence of that, we are to be Torah observant throughout all generations, period. Amen. Okay. Uh, Johnny A. Uh, Solberg seems like a nice guy. I'm sure he would love to sit and talk with you guys like Andrew did and talk about these things. Fair enough. Uh, bring it on. Nice. Yeshua said that I have come to my father to do my father's will. Father's will is to obey his laws and commandments. I agree with you, but Solberg, I think, is going to say, um, no, that's eisegesis that you're reading into it, that the father's will is for us to do his commandments. I think that's what Solberg would say. Yeah. Once again, uh, going back to the idea of sitting down with Solberg, I'm not opposed to sitting down with Solberg. In fact, I've thought about it many times, but once again, Solberg continues to use uh, language. And if he wants to include Christians into this conversation, he needs to get rid of this Hebrew roots idea. <clears throat> right. I mean, if you, if you want to talk to the entire audience, of people who keep Torah, then quit talking about the Hebrew Roots Movement exclusively. It's even in his logo. <laughs> Come on. It, honestly, it's offensive. That's offensive to me. 
And 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 I think I I feel I'm maybe I'm a little maybe I'm a little butthurt about it. All right. Maybe that's what it is. You want to have a conversation with people, then then actually include them. What you've done is you've isolated one specific heretical group of people and put everybody else into that group. <clears throat> and honestly, it's offensive. It's offensive to me because I have spent a significant portion of the past 10, 15 years trying to oppose what I see as errant theology within the Hebrew roots movement. And so when you just all of a sudden throw me in there, I don't want like, okay, fine. Go talk to those people. You go oppose those people all you want, but start using language. That's going to include the people that, that actually, like if you want real people who have gone to school and you know, I don't see you trying to debate Tim Hag. I don't see you trying to debate Rob Vanhoff. I don't see you trying like, no, you want the Hebrew roots people. You don't care about the people who have actual degrees and actual and have actually studied this for the past 40 years. What you want is you want the person who has uh, done their internet searches and their their Google trains. That's all you want. And and it's offensive. All right, let's keep going. So um, 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So does the law include the, the Sabbath? Yes. I, I, I just don't understand how Solberg is attempting to get around these things. <clears throat> so let's go back um, to <laughs> Romans. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Does faith, 2.13, that was 2.13. Romans 3.31, does faith therefore nullify the law? May it never be. Romans 7.7, 7, what then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means, yet if I had not been, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. Now he's going to say, and I, I can almost guarantee Solberg would say, this is Isa Jesus. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So the law tells us what sin is. The law tells us that we're supposed to rest on the Sabbath and that we're supposed to have a Sabbath day. That's what the law says. So do I know that that breaking the Sabbath is a sin because the law tells me? Or should I go with what Solberg says instead of Paul and say, well, that's not for me. So is who's who's Paul talking to? Now, granted, I will give Solberg, Solberg the, the, the fact that that Paul talks to both Israel and Gentiles in this book. I, I just don't, I just don't understand. Um, okay. And then here, here's, <clears throat> here's the response that I would have for those who hold to um, covenant theology. So, I'm doing a whole video series right now on covenants uh, on pronomian. And, um, you know, let me, let's, let's pause. I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I'll go back to that in just a second. I want to go back to the, to reasons that I haven't uh, asked Solberg to, to, to come and talk to me on covenant conversations. Another reason why is because I think that if people are happy and uh, are attempting to, you know, Solberg is in such a state that he is not going to listen to any reason, obviously. He's made a ministry uh, attacking God's covenants and people who want to keep God's covenants. Figure that one out for me. Um, but the point here is simply this. Uh, if that's what Solberg wants to do, if Solberg believes that, that's fine. Go believe that. You you go, you be you, man, right? Uh, but I, I want to spend time searching the covenants, studying the covenants, I, to me, it's you know I've spent a significant amount of time of my you know, in my life uh, trying to defend why we should keep the Torah. I've done that, and I'm still doing that. But the point is, is that what I really want to do is I want to study the covenants. I want to study God's law. I want to study what God tells us to do. So, so this is why Pronomian.com, like the tagline. It's something to the effect, and I, I still haven't really worked it out, but, you know, uh, 
dedicated to uh, the study of God's covenants and law. In other words, if you don't think that you should be keeping the, the law, that's fine. Go over there and do your thing. But the people who want to and the people who are uh, believe that they're they're part of God's covenant and want to be keeping that covenant, come study. Let's come study together and let's talk about how we're supposed to walk out sanctification unto God. And ultimately, here's the thing with Solberg. I think that Solberg, you know, I think that he's going to have to, to tell us what and this is, this is where I'm going here, he's going to have to tell us what sanctification is. Now, he's already alluded in this clip, and this clip is really where I'm getting most of my information here, but he's alluded this in this clip that we are under uh, a different law, that it has to be restated in the New Testament for us to uh, be keeping it because that's given to Christians. Now, the question that I would have, the first question that I'd have to that is this. Does that mean that everything that happens before Acts 2 is not for the Christians? right? The, the woman comes and says, you know, Christ says to her, am I supposed to take the scraps from the, from the table? You know, am I supposed to take the food from the table and give it to the dog? And she says, even the dog gets the scraps from the table. So the point is that even Christ is saying, I'm not here for the Gentiles at this point. So it's all that Sermon on the Mount, that's for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. Is that what Solberg is saying? Is, that, is Solberg going to relent to the idea that the Sermon on the Mount is not for him? Maybe he is. I, I don't know. Um, so I, I want to, so Nisa asks here in the chat room, so here's a question. If we uh, re-pronomian and we know most Believers aren't antinomian. What does that make them? Normnomian. <laughs> nice. Um, I uh, once again we talked about this last week. I think that there is a air or a sense of uh, history that has to be addressed by the church, which is there's a reason that there's only four things, four or five things from the Torah that they don't want to keep. It's not the Torah that they don't want to keep. And this is where I think, this is where I think as, you know, I can get heated about this kind of stuff. I can get, I can get worked up about it. But ultimately, I think this is where grace, even for people like uh, uh, Solberg and Schumacher, I think that, that, uh, I think that, that this is where grace does need to come in. We have to understand that this is, this is 2,000 years of propaganda that has been ingrained into the teaching of Christianity. Solberg and Schumacher and others who are, you know, uh, I could name tons of people, right? Um, the people who are against this, what they're doing is they are just now espousing standard Christian doc doctrine, they're not, they're not going off the rails here. Yeah, I see it, Johnny. <laughs> I've already noted. We're coming, we're, we're going to be coming pretty close to an hour, aren't we? Um, so the, the point here is, is that this is not, you know, I've said things even today that I think Solberg would go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I don't want to get rid of the Old Testament. Well, then is the Old Testament for you or not? Sean writes, here's an important question. What do we believe about, about other Christians, the ones who don't want to keep God's law? Yeah, and ultimately, you know, Luther's the first one who comes up with the term antinomian. Luther is the one who, um, who, who is fighting against people who are saying, I, and Paul talks about this in Romans, right? But Luther's fighting against people who say, well, I, you know, I'm in Christ now, and so I can sin as much as I want, and I should sin more because it just shows how much God's grace really is there. And, and so Luther, uh, you know, he, what he does is he uh, puts a title on these people, antinomian. And then, um, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Chat room, help me out here. Uh, uh, who wrote um, by this standard? Anyway, somebody look it up. You know who I'm talking about. He came in and used the the like the opposite of that, which was pronomian, uh, which is what we love to use now. I love to use now. Okay, so let's go back to this idea that okay, we're not under the the law of Moses, even though even though all of the scriptures that we've read thus far tell us that Christians are in fact justified or not justified. I'm sorry, please. Uh, uh, that's a Freudian slip if I've ever, uh, ever made one. Uh, Christians are justified by faith, but the, what is, what is sanctification for Christians? Well, sin is 
transgression of the law of God. And the funny thing is, is that we even see this even in things like the Westminster um, Catechism, right? What is sin? Sin is any one of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. The law of God. And where, where are they getting this from? Well, they're getting this from passages in the scriptures, right? Something that Solberg, I think, has to agree with because the scriptures say it. But he wants to say that this is eisegesis. Once again, going back to Matthew 5, 17, going back to Luke 16, 17, going back to John 3, 4, going back to Romans 2, 13, what law are you, are you suggesting is being talked about? And that perhaps the answer, perhaps the answer is the law of Christ, right? Maybe that's the answer. I'm not under the law of Moses. I'm under the law of Christ. Do you remember when we talked a couple minutes ago about Matthew 5, 17 and how people use the argument, oh, well, Christ came and fulfilled the law of Moses. And so therefore, fulfilling means we don't have to keep it anymore. Well, check this out. First Corinthians 9.21. Now, this is where we get the term law of Christ. To those outside of the law, by the way, there's a fantastic article, which I have open on my computer right now. Hang on, let me get the, let me get the title for you because I've been reading this. Uh, Paul and the Torah in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. And my father does an absolute bang-up job of uh, showing us how uh, this should be understood, because this is a highly misunderstood uh, passage, and there's all sorts of different explanations of what's going on here um, from various people in, and scholars in Christianity. So, Let's get a little context. Hang on just a second. Let me open up my context bar here. Let's start in, um, we want to go back. We want to go back to 19. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So what do we have here? We have uh, the law of Christ, right here. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. There you have it. We are not under the Mosaic law, but the law of Christ. Now, let's go to Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Boom. We bear each other burden, each other's burdens. We no longer have to do the law of Christ. The law of Christ is done away with now because it's fulfilled. Are we allowed to use the same logic that mainstream Christianity uses for Matthew 5, 17 and following for the law of Christ? Because if so, then guess what happens? The law of Christ is fulfilled. It's done away with. We no longer have to do it anymore, right? So there is a double standard here. The double standard is that uh, mainstream Christianity wants to uh, say that the word fulfilled means that we no longer have to keep the Torah anymore. But then they say that we're under the law of Christ. Well, Paul tells us the law of Christ is fulfilled. So wouldn't that mean that we don't have to keep it anymore? Uh, it just seems like standard logic here. Um, now, once again, I don't know what Solberg would say to this. Now we're off the reservation when it comes to verses pertaining to the Sabbath observance or, or the Torah observance. You know, once again, going back to our points that we've made in, in the past few weeks, number one, the new covenant is given to Israel and the church, or Israel and Judah, not the church. And so if Solberg wants to say that he's part of the new covenant, show me where the scriptures say that, that you have an inheritance in that. Uh, I don't see that anywhere in scripture. 
number two, show me the stipulations for the new covenant. Now, it sounds to me like what Solberg is wanting to do is Solberg is wanting to say that it's anything that's restated in the, in the New Testament. Does that mean anything that's stated after Acts 2, or does it mean anything in the New Testament? And if so, then why is uh, Christ saying that he's only come for the Jews and not for, not for the Gentiles yet? That happens in Acts 2 too. So I would argue at that point that no, not all of the New Testament is for the Gentiles. And what are you going to do with the book of Hebrews as well, right? Because this is where the dispensationalists, um, this is where the dispensationalists really try to say, well, there is a second new covenant. This is old school dispensationalism when dispensationalism first comes on the scene, right? What they say is, no, the new, the new covenant is not for the church. It's for Israel and Judah. At least they're consistent in, in that point. Now, of course, uh, new dispensationalism had to come along and say, no, 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 that can't be the case. But, but ultimately, what did they do? They said, well, the book of Hebrews restates uh, the, uh, the new covenant. And so there must be a new, new covenant for the church. And of course, this sounds ridiculous, which it is. And this is why you had to have a new, new <laughs> dispensation, new dispensationalism. Um, so ultimately, what are the covenant stipulations for the church in the new covenant? You know, and the, a question that, that we got this past week, which Rob and I were going to talk about is, what do you do with circumcision in the new covenant? I would say that the stipulations for the new covenant are the Mosaic covenant. The laws are written on your heart. In other words, you don't have to tell your neighbor, hey, do these things. Everybody does them. Right? And so... Uh, I believe that as long as you don't think that circumcision is saving you or saving your child, that uh, circumcision should be practiced. Now, what Paul and, and others are so concerned about in the Apostolic Scriptures is this form of, and we still see this today in the Messianic movement, right? The Messianic movement is big on this. And you want examples? I could give you examples all day, but Itzhak Shapira is, is perhaps the most egregious on this. Um or even the UMJC, right? The UMJC says, hey, you got to convert or your kids can't come up to the Bema. You got to convert. And if you don't convert, you got to say these prayers instead of these prayers, right? I mean, we're talking about a, a very odd form of like, uh, like bloodline superiority, right? I'm Jewish, so I'm better than you. And Shapiro will come straight out and say that. He'll, he'll come straight out and say, well, you, you can't interpret the scriptures because you're, you're a Gentile. I'm Jewish. <laughs> so what? You're wrong, right? Anyway, all of this to say that, uh, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, got, I've lost myself already in, in, in this, but the, I guess the, the point here is that you have this, uh, this form of dispensationalism. They agree that you, that you don't have the new covenant for the Gentiles. So ultimately, you know, I, when, I, when I had my discussion with, um, with Chris, Chris Day, um, he really wanted to argue that there was a distinction between the church and Israel. I, I think that this is a really bad theological step. What are you going to do with all the uh, promises to Israel? Anyway, so I've kind of lost myself here. Uh, I hope that this is kind of spoken to Solberg's video. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many more. There's just so many more. Ultimately, what uh, tends to happen when people try to oppose believers keeping the covenant is you run into a huge amount of eisegesis. You have to do away with huge portions of the Bible, like the Old Testament, right? Like the, the Tanakh, you have to get, get rid of it. And you have to do that because it all tells us to keep the commandments. All right. Let's see here. I haven't even looked at the chat room in quite some time. Wow. All right. We got people in the chat room. Hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, sticking with me. I am going to cut it short. 10 minutes. I was almost there. I was almost there. Uh, that's okay. Um, oh, yeah. I do remember. I remember where I was going. Okay. So the point uh, on circumcision in the new covenant is if you think like Messianic Judaism today, they want to say, well, you have to convert. You want to have to convert to be part of us. You're a lower class citizen unless you convert. And this is exactly what's going on in the first century, right? We've talked about this throughout the past three weeks. Um, and so the, the, the idea of, of uh, conversion is what Paul is, is talking about. If he, he's saying, if you think that, that converting is going to gain you any status with God, you 
are sorely mistaken. Now, what he's not doing is saying, don't circumcise your kids. If you come to a point where you want to follow God and his covenants and you say, hey, I think I should, you know, I, I want to call, follow God, then yeah, you should be circumcising your kids. Is that going to save your kids? No. Is that going to save you? No. Is any uh, Torah observance going to save you? No. And if that's what Solberg is fighting, then I'm all for it. Solberg and I can get on board together on that one. Uh, works do not save you. We keep the covenant not because it gets us into the covenant. We keep the covenant because we have been saved. And now we are in covenant relationship with God. I, I, don't, I don't understand why that is a controversial take. <laughs> you come into covenant relationship with God and then you keep the covenant. Heavens, heavens forbid. Oh my word. Think about that. That's, that's egregious. Okay. You can send us uh, all sorts of different uh, disagreements or agreements or topics or whatever. See Hegatorresource.com. C-H-E-G-G at Torresource.com. Uh, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. Uh, this Friday, we have a Mystery Bible Theater 3000. And then next week, we're, we're going to miss Wednesday. But I'm going to tell you this, we're not going to miss Friday's Mystery Bible Theater 3000 that week. And you're gonna, you're really going to want, if you haven't, don't go look it up if you haven't seen it already. But if you haven't seen it already, we're going to be talking about the Sparkle Creed. And uh, Rob has not seen anything on the Sparkle Creed. And he's promised me that he's not going to look it up. And so he's going in fresh. <laughs> he's going in fresh. And, if, and when we talk about sending us wackadoo, uh, for Mystery Bible Theater 3000. This is as woke, liberal, wackadoo as you can possibly get. It's it's unbelievable. Okay. Um, yeah, so as I said, uh, we will not be around next week for a regular show, but we encourage you to come back and uh, visit us, Mystery Bible Theater 3000. Then we will be back the next Wednesday. So we've taken one week off and uh, yeah. I hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Mm -hmm.